Hey everyone, welcome back to the Pilot's Wife podcast. This is Amy McLaren and this is episode 26 and it's a part two of a series I am doing on how to problem solve without losing. The first half of this was about all the stuff you have to know before you kind of attack a problem solving kind of issue and then this part is about how to actually do it. This is where it gets real, so let's get right into it. So here's the question, for those of us who don't have a picture-perfect relationship, who don't put our highlights real on social media and pretend it's all rosy, where can I get some down-to-earth inspiration without any religious barriers? Who can give me real-life encouragement, help me be a better spouse, and tell me how to get an even more enriching relationship without becoming a doormat? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Amy McLaren, and this is the Pilot's Wife Podcast. So before we start, I just want to reiterate that the result you want is not to win and the other person loses. When, you come, when you're doing a problem-solving exercise, you want win-win. You want both of you to win. And the cool thing about this is that you don't start with you know, an A side, which is one person, what they think should happen, and a B, which is the other person, and then you have to choose one, because that's compromise, and one doesn't really get what they want, and the other one does. Problem solving, the cool thing about problem solving is you actually come out with a C that neither of you actually thought about before, or even knew was a, a an ideal solution to the problem that you have, but you can't get there unless you go through and, and go through this exercise together. So, but this is really for complex problems. It's not for things like hey, uh, I noticed that you leave the cloth in the sink and would you mind just leaving on the bench instead? This is for stuff like one of you wants to move countries and the other one wants to stay put. Or one of you wants to have a baby and the other one doesn't. Something like that. Now, in the first part of this, last week, I went through kind of all the pre-rules that you have to consider before you start problem solving and the things you have to understand. So this was things like your expectations that you don't know you have, values, what's important to you in life, your risk profile, your personality traits, goals that you have, your vision for your marriage, all those kinds of things. Now, I came across those by researching loads and loads of books on pre-marriage and marriage. I reckon probably over 100 books, and they, they all had really great tips but there were hundreds and hundreds of them all in one place. Like it's kind of like bullet points, you know, this is good and that's good and remember to do that and remember to do that. I just found it so hard to remember more than one or two. Like if you're a couple reading all of that, you might pick out one or two and the rest are just, there's too much. There's too much good stuff. And so, you know, before you're even married and you don't even have a context to apply a lot of this, I think it's really hard for couples to learn like that. So I thought, well, what couples need is a framework. And so I, I put all the material into categories. Like, so, so we have four categories or modules of the course. And then the fifth one is problem solving, where you put it all together. So the idea is that you understand all of the stuff. Like um, module one is vision, goals, and values. Then we've got expectations. Then we talk about intimacy in the marriage zone. And then the fourth one is money. So the first two are root causes of problems that... You can't define what the problem is now. It's just going to happen later and you've got to figure it out. So you've got to go through all those things. And that's what I talked about last episode. And the second two are the most common problem areas outside of those root causes. So intimacy in the marriage zone is you know, is a big one. And so often couples come across 
you know, infidelity or, and that's, you know, going outside the marriage zone with sort of acquaintances and people that you know, or, you know, arguments with the family, which is kind of going outside the marriage zone with family members and, and friends. So that's one of them. And then the other one, money, is is just a, a, everybody has, uh, you know, some kind of understanding of the, the way that money can cause problems in relationships. So those are common ones that we just sort of get out the way um, straight away. So when it comes to problem solving for complex problems, those still can come, up, can come up. It still could be something to do with money. It still could be something to do with intimacy in the marriage zone. But underlying it, there's always vision, goals, values, expectations, personality traits, and 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 things that sit under the surface that we just don't know that our, our partner is thinking. And often that partner doesn't know they're thinking because it's subconscious and it's that level that we're trying to pull out in this problem-solving exercise. So that's why those things are key to understand before you undertake problem-solving. I came across problem-solving at university. I studied a few different things. I, in my undergrad degree, I did two. I did a, a Chinese and psychology and arts degree and then I did a law and management commerce degree. And then I did a postgrad degree in entrepreneurship and leadership and it wasn't Chinese and it wasn't law but it was one of the others where we had to do this class exercise on problem solving and it really stood out to me and it all started from there so it was we had groups of say four four or five that we separated into and we were given this problem to solve and it was kind of like a like an officially solvable problem but it was one that if people didn't know the correct answer to it, they had to work it out and do a problem-solving exercise. And so we were all asked to do the... We're all asked to solve the problem by ourselves. And then we came together as our group of four or five and we had to try and solve the problem again. And the results that they found from this... It's kind of like an experiment because they got lots and lots of people to do it. And the result that they found was that out of the individuals who did it, maybe... It was a low percentage that would get it right. I don't know, like maybe 50%. I can't remember the exact numbers. But when the groups did the problem-solving exercise, it was usually about 96% of groups got it right. And so there's this huge benefit to having more than one person attack a problem that's complex. And that's because of things like diversity that I talked about last time and that perception thing. So anyway, I what I did when we were developing this stuff you know, to help couples is I kind of mashed together this this problem-solving stuff with all the expectations and personality traits and stuff that I'd read in all the pre-marriage and marriage books. And I kind of mashed it together into a framework. And so they kind of all join in. They all make sense together. So you, in order to do the problem-solving part, you've got to know, you've got to figure out all this kind of stuff about expectations and personalities and goals and learn to recognize them. And so that's what we're doing when we're doing the complex problem-solving exercises. We, we're starting to get in and recognize what's going on here. What is it behind there? Is it expectations? Is it goals? Is it values? Is it personality traits and those kinds of things? And so we're going to use a couple of tools here. And we're going to try and imagine that we're a detective. So one of the reasons about trying to imagine that you're a detective is that you can be un emotional so you can be objective about the situation it's really really important to try and be objective not let emotion get in the way and the other is that you're trying to figure out what's going on you're trying to ask questions not offer your your piece and your two cents not until the end right but it's a two-way process so you're both detectives you both have things that you're not 
saying or that aren't coming out because maybe you don't know about them or you are a bit embarrassed about them or they are something that if you say them it might you might get a negative response from your partner so you don't so what we're going to try and do is be a what why detective which means we're going to only ask what and why questions open questions and then we're going to be listening with a mirror and there's other other people call it reflective listening but this is this is probably uh, I find it kind of easier to imagine it and understand it when you just say it's listening with a mirror. So it's kind of just basically holding up a mirror to what they say and saying it back to them. Okay, so those it's really, really basic. That's that's what we're going to do. My favourite, favourite, favourite question is, what is it about X that blah, 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 blah? So for example, one of you wants to move to the country and one of you wants to stay in the city. What is it about the country that makes you want to move there? What is it about living in the country that makes you think it's better than living in the city? What is it about the city that you don't like? And so that what is it about X is just my key question, and I always come back to that. Another, but, but another way to look at it is just say, why? Why do you want to move to the country? Why don't you like living in the city? That kind of thing. But what is it about blah, blah, blah? just makes it that little more of a deeper question that people can feel easy to answer. And I think one of the reasons is when you say, why don't you want that and why don't you like that, it kind of sounds like a rhetorical question. A lot of the time when we've been arguing for a long time in our relationship, you know, over the years, it sort of sounds accusing. Whereas what is it about, blah, 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 it kind of makes it sound more like you're trying to f- actually find out the answer. So that's what we that's the pattern of what we're going to try and do when we're trying to figure out what's going on in the other partner and you both have to have turns doing this. Now, I just want to raise an alert here like I hope that people don't well if it was me and I hadn't heard any of this before, I would probably think that some of this sounds maybe a bit cheesy and like, oh, if I'm going to try and do this, I'm going to sound cheesy. When Josh and I got married, we kind of developed these um I guess these cultural things in our relationship, and one of them was that we would welcome cheesiness into our relationship. We were quite happy with, you know, saying, whispering sweet nothings in each other's ear, like, your your lips are like raspberry licorice, you know, and, and we'll, we'll say weird, funny stuff like that. And we just, like, we just use cheesiness as a way to say stuff. And so we're comfortable with cheesiness. But I, I understand that a lot of people aren't. And so this one, though, is about getting comfortable with a skill, forgetting that you might feel cheesy about it and just getting comfortable with this. Because this is gold. Like, when you can do this, you can not only solve problems in your own relationship, but you are the bomb when it comes to work. And, like, when you're working with people of all kinds of backgrounds and there's some kind of issue or conflict, which happens all the time at work in organisations because it's made up of people, you will be so good at this that you'll get promotions. And I'm not kidding. Like, people will think, my gosh, you're just really good at what you do because you're able to figure out what's going on with people and solve problems. So, anyway, so we are going to concentrate on being a what-why detective and listening with a mirror which means we're not allowed to offer any opinions or any responses, and, and this can be hard. So let's say, I say, what is it about moving to the country that excites you about moving to the country? And the other person says, well, I really like to see the trees and the grass all around. You can't say, well, there's trees and grass in the city. That's, that's an absolute no-no. You can't do that. What you have to say is, okay, so you like seeing trees and grass all around. Okay, so that's what we're doing. What is it about you moving to the country that makes you excited. I like seeing 
trees and grass around. Okay, so you like seeing trees and grass around. So that's a pattern that we're going to follow when we do problem solving. And it's just over and over and over again until you get a surprise. Okay, so you're not maybe surprised by, I like seeing trees and grass around. You've probably been around long enough with this person to understand that they like being around trees. Okay, what is it about trees and grass that you like? And it's maybe like, that makes me feel at peace. Okay, what is it about the city that means you can't feel at peace when you're around trees and grass? Well, there's also lots of concrete around. Okay, it's still not a surprise. And you just keep asking. And sometimes you've got to you've got to really think about what kind of question you can ask. And when you get stuck, one of the tricks is that you can start saying, you can start testing out solutions as a testing ground. So you can say, so if you were in the city but you live near a park, would that meet your needs for being around trees and grass, right? And you can sort of, but you're using it as a testing ground. But that's not until you have asked what why detective questions and listen with a mirror at least four or five times, okay? So you want to practice the what why detective what and why questions. When you're doing this, what you're doing is you're writing it up on a, on a piece of paper or a whiteboard. And there are two ways that we do this and both of them work equally well and it depends on how your brain's ordered so one way is to write columns so you'd have one column is your name and one column is your, your partner's name or vice versa it doesn't matter whose name is in uh, first and you've got the problem that you're trying to define right so you you don't even have to write down what problem you're trying to define you just start talking around it and asking these these what why questions and you've got to take turns you can't just have one person asking all the questions and one doing all the answers you swap around and ask different questions because you've got to fill out both columns because the, the reason that you're having an argument is because in this example of moving to the country versus a city one of you wants to move to the country and the other wants to stay in the city so what is it about staying in the city that you like you know and so you've got to swap around and ask both sides so if you're doing the columns, what you're going to do is every time you get an answer, you, you start to write up the answers like likes trees and grass and feels claustrophobic and um, doesn't like, you know, I don't know, making this up on the spot, doesn't like being around cats, <laughs> something like that. Okay, and so you start writing up these answers in the column. And once you get to kind of when, when you get exhausted from the questions, you've kind of run out of questions after a while, and you, you've got to have at least, I'd say, about six or seven different things in each column, then what you can do is you can start writing next to each column what thing you think it comes from out of the things we talked about last week. So those are expectations, goals, values, vision, personality traits, risk profiles. And you want to write down next to each line what you think it is. So you might have three or four that relate back to someone's values. You know, like the, the value might be nature, the person that wants to live in the country. And, or, and, and when you start to see that there's a bulk of them that are values, it might be that you're dealing with a values, a values kind of problem. And that for that person that's got the problem, that's why there's always an argument that comes up. So when you can figure out what their value is, then you've got your problem defined. Or it might be that they've got a whole bunch of goals. And so you, you're seeing often more and more coming up that they've got 
goals that they want to achieve that they can't achieve when the other person wants this other thing, right? So that's that's the first thing you've got to do is define the problem. We're not even trying to work out how to solve it, although I did say you can sometimes test out different solutions, but the reason is you're trying to get a response from them, no, that doesn't work, and that gets them ask, answering you know, a little bit deeper and saying why that wouldn't work. It's not to try and present solutions at that stage. You're just trying to define the problem. And another way to do this is mind maps. And so this is just kind of putting a circle in the middle, which is our argument about moving country, moving to country or staying in city. And then you kind of just draw lines out and draw little circles around your things that you're saying. Like as you're having this discussion, as you're asking your what, why questions, you're listening with a mirror, you're writing down the answers. And so as you write down each answer, you want to do it in a different colour for one of you. And so one colour for one of you and one colour for the other of you. And again, when you've got a few of, few of the bubbles up there, then you're writing next to them, are they expectations or values or personality, etc. So remember again, so if you're having an argument, you've both got these icebergs and what's, what's sort of showing above the surface is what you're arguing about and that's what you see. But what's underneath the surface is what you're trying to get at. And, and what's underneath is often things that people find hard to talk about. And so it's really, really important, again, to be objective and to make the other person feel like you're not going to jump down their throat when you do find out what these things are. So, you know, it could be things like, you know, concerns for status or, for, or love or reputation, things like that. Or it could be things like shame or jealousy, jealousy or, you know, something that they're kind of ashamed of and they don't want to share it's not that they want to hold on to that because once they do share it and you talk about it you'll be able to work out a way that you know that that means that they don't have to have that feeling anymore because you can work out a solution to it but it's a matter sometimes it's a matter of when you find out what that is you've got your problem defined so it's really really important that you do hold back on that kind of judgment and and keep a keep a a level of objectivity through this discussion. And so that's why we did we talked so much before in the last episode about your perception, you know, how you see things that aren't there and you don't see things that are there. And just to be aware of the way your brain works so that you don't jump to conclusions and just keep it objective while you're doing the exercise. So let's say in the example where one of one of you wants to move to the country and the other wants to stay in the city, that after a, a while of asking the what why questions, being the what why detective in us and holding up that that listening mirror, that one of you says, Well, if we're in the country, then we wouldn't have to see your mum as often. <laughs> right? Which could be hard to hear. But let's say that's what comes out. And then you get a surprise. Ah, okay, so that that could be a real surprise for one of you, right? Then you can start asking your what why questions again what is it about my mum that makes you want to move out of the local area right what is it that makes you feel that if we're in the country we're not going to see them as often anything like that and you can start to get a picture of what's really going on under the surface so if the problem is not actually that they want to move to the country but it's that they want to get away from a certain person, that's a whole different problem to solve. It's a, You can do it a whole lot of different ways, right? And it might be that it turns out that your spouse thinks you have to, that, you, that your mum comes over too often. She comes over every second day and in his family, his, he only sees his mum, you know, every three months. And so 
that's just too much. And if they were in the, if you were in the country, then maybe she wouldn't come out so often, you know, or maybe in another town or something like that. And so you can have a conversation about, well, you know, let's. It could be something as when you start to do the next part, which is brainstorming. You, you could do a lot of things around. Well, could it could it work if Mum came less often, or we saw her less often, or you know, whatever. Okay, now the hope is that once you've got your your problem defined, and you both go, ah, oh, that's that's what it is. That's what the problem is, and you both go, yep, yep, this is what we're trying to solve. Then it's just a matter of going into kind of a brainstorming, and and when you've got that that problem defined, as I said, it's so easy to do the brainstorming part because you're just like, oh, okay, well, what about this? We could try that. We could try that. And you just put all the ideas up there. So the brainstorming stage. Brainstorming stage, the main thing to be aware of is you, you're not allowed to do any shoot down. So anything goes, put any idea up. But then the next phase is you've got to evaluate each of those and rule them out and rule out which ones won't work and sort of, you know, put a put a, a mark next to the ones that you think could work. And then the last stage of problem solving is that you want to make sure that you implement it because a lot of the time we can feel so good after we've done a problem solving exercise and we've figured it out and we've figured out the solution sometimes we kind of forget to actually do the solution and so just remember you know put things in place assign the sign things that need to be done to each other so that things get done and it actually happens but you what you'll find is because you've not gone into a problem with one's got a and one's got b as their idea of a solution and one of them wins so the other person doesn't really feel motivated to put it into action what you'll find is you actually get a C kind of scenario that none of you thought before, but it's way better than A is or B is because it works for both of you. And then you're both motivated to just make it happen anyway. Now, I've gone through that really, really fast. Like normally we take a couple of hours to go through that and teach it and we will have couples do, we'll have couples practice it while we're with them and then we'll kind of work through with them and kind of police their what why detective you know make sure that they're just doing the what and why questions and that they're just doing that listening with a mirror thing and so this is I know this is just really brief but I I I just wanted to give you the key points about this because maybe you'll pick something up and then the next time you're having an argument you might go hmm okay let's just stop and try and write some stuff down now the other thing about writing stuff down is People might think or might feel cheesy about doing that too. And I would just say, if you can master the art of writing something down in this kind of, in this scenario, where you're trying to figure out a problem, it'll just help you so much. You think you can remember stuff and you can see stuff in your head and work it all out, but my gosh, it makes so much difference. If you just put it down on a piece of paper or on a whiteboard and you see it written up there, just it it makes it more kind of reachable and, and solvable. So I encourage you to do that. Make sure to write things down when you're doing this. And I've given you two examples, either in columns or on a mind map, but just getting it down on paper and so you can see it and you can refer back to it and point to it when you're having discussions. So can you do me a favour? Can you let me know if you got that or if you have any questions about that? You can send me an email at amy at nomithmarriages.com. That's A-M-Y at N-O-M-Y-T-H marriages.com. Or get in touch via our website, nomithmarriages.com, or post a comment down below underneath the podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback, and I really want to know if there's any other way I can explain that better to you or give more information. So do get in touch and let me know what you think. I hope you are having the best time of your marriage that you've ever had. And if you aren't, I hope that these episodes are helping you work out 
some ways that you can start to get a more and more satisfied relationship. And if you are having a problem that keeps cropping up over and over and over, remember it's just an alert that there's a problem that needs to be solved and I encourage you to sit down and just try having a go at doing this problem solving. And not just once, but keep trying it and getting the skill together because this, if you have this skill, it'll really help you in all areas of life. Thanks for listening. I hope you have an awesome week. Ka kite.